All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Project Brief. Uh, as usual, keep all questions to the end of the Project Brief. And if you don't know what the Project Brief is, uh, it is where we talk about a Boink project in simple terms, explaining it as if you'd explain it to your grandma, uh, and explaining to everyone how you can basically do volunteer computing and contribute to science with basically the click of a button. My grandma is a Nobel Prize winning physicist, dude. How do you know how I explain things to her? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, anyway, I do have a question for you, Jeringa. <laughs> Favorite type of cat? Uh, I heard cow. I don't think that's what you asked, though. Cat. <laughs> My favorite type of cat? Ooh, uh, outdoor cat. A wild mutt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, my favorite one is Schrodinger's cat. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Let me tell you, people and... in the chat, we got a black cat, we got calico cat, but black... Er, 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 Schrodinger's cat. Okay, geez, wild nerd. Yep, Schrodinger's cat. Okay. <laughs> and the reason why we're talking about Schrodinger's cat is gonna, we're going to be talking about Qchempedia. Yes, and that stands for Quantum Chemistry Encyclopedia and Intelligence Artificial. Uh, yeah, you're probably not going to want to say that every single day. <laughs> so that's why they've shortened it to Qcompedia. It's a relatively new project. It started in 2019, so only about a year old now. Uh, and it's run independently by a chemist and a computer scientist. And I'm not even going to bother trying to pronounce their names. Okay. <laughs> if you want to check out their names, it is on the official Qcompedia site. Um, but yeah, uh, they are trying to develop a large and open data set and artificial intelligence tools for chemists to use. And they focus on the quantum interpretation of chemistry. What is quantum, you ask? Well, it sounds pretty fancy like Star Trek, but it's not as fancy as that. It's actually quite complex. <laughs> but it is the most tested theories in physics. So it is pretty, pretty robust. And if we want to know about quantum, we have to go way back to when the idea of the atom was invented. Uh, and so quantum mechanics is the study of the really, really small. And it's the theoretical understanding of trying to understand what is that really, really small thing, because we can't actually see it. It measures, um, it mostly measures the world in discrete values and explains the world in discrete values. So what we mean by discrete uh, is they have very specific and finite values. And so, for example, an example of a discrete value is there are five books on a shelf. The dog has four legs, just naming stuff in pretty much integers. But an example of non-discrete values is stuff like sound waves, so a wave form of sound waves, uh, and stuff like understanding the interpretation of an artwork. That's something that's not very discrete. It's subjective and it changes depending on where you are. And so another name for that of non-discrete values is continuous phenomena. So it's stuff that is continuous, like a continuous wave. So uh, many of you probably learned in high school that electrons orbit the nucleus and they maintain their orbit with either two, four or eight electrons. Um, mostly this is wrong. <laughs> so um, how it actually works is that electrons are in orbitals. It's so tiny that we can't even figure out whether they do actually orbit, but we have used other methods to figure out that they might have a different structure. And the best structure we have now is what are called orbitals. So these are places around the nucleus of the atom where the electrons can reside. So they can be in a particular orbital. And if you add more electrons, it'll change the configuration of the orbitals, just like how you can only have two, four, eight electrons in a particular orbit. 
Uh, and so the reason why we know that the electrons can't orbit is just simply because we know that lots of orbiting bodies, such as the Earth even, uh, black holes, and even protons in the Large Hadron Collider, all lose energy if they go in a perfect circle or a perfect orbit. So if an electron maintains a circular orbit in an atom, it'll just fall into the nucleus and destroy it. So obviously we can't, we can't have that. And so this concept of putting electrons into orbitals relates a lot to Qcompedia, uh, more specifically because Qcompedia uses an implementation of the Schrodinger equation. And so it expresses electrons as a wave function. Uh, what that means is basically it gives you an idea of where the electron could be. And so Qcompedia uses these equations and the configuration of electrons and position of atoms and all these funky quantum mechanics equations to give us a brilliant open data set for quantum chemistry. For those of you that are interested, uh, Qcompedia uses a program called NWChem, and uh, it performs a geometric uh, model of the molecule so that you can view what it looks like. And it does this by finding the lowest energy state of quantum mechanics. If you want to know what lowest energy state means, you can check out my project brief on Rosetta at Home, where I explain brilliantly what the low energy state is. But to quickly explain it here, uh, imagine you're at the top of a hill, and there's another hill just on the side of the hill. Uh, when you roll the ball down the hill, it'll get caught in that little trough before the bottom of the hill, because there's another hill there, and it stops the ball from flowing down. That's not the lowest energy state. What you'd need to do is then push that ball over the second hill down to the very bottom of the hill. And so that's what the lowest energy state is. In terms of atoms and molecules, what that means is if you connect a whole bunch of atoms together or a whole bunch of molecules together and you just let physics take hold and let physics do its thing, whatever position and whatever geometric shape and whatever, um, yeah, whatever shape that the molecule fits itself into after an extended period of time, just letting physics run, that's what the geometric shape is. And that's the lowest energy state. Another thing that Qcompedia does uh, is it creates a map of how the energy of that molecule changes over all the positions of the atom. Now, this is some pretty complex chemistry stuff, but basically what it means is you can actually find how infrared light affects the molecule. And so this is important for certain chemistry applications that involve infrared light and infrared radiation, and also seeing how molecules will react to certain conditions. So that's another interesting chemis chemistry thing, other than the geometry, which is obviously to help uh, chemists know which other molecules and what other proteins this molecule might bind, on bind onto. Uh, and finally, a very interesting one is that uh, Qcompedia actually simulates the response to UV light of the molecules themselves. So a great application for this is actually solar panels and photovoltaic cells. So Qcompedia is going through millions and millions of molecules and they are testing whether they actually respond to UV light in a really good way. And if they respond to UV light in a really good way, we can turn them into a solar panel or we can use them in doping silicon or we can use them in something that helps with solar panels. And so by filtering through and creating a database of all of this, Qcompedia can basically index all the molecules, just like how Rosetta sort of does things, and allows people to go through them and say, okay, is this one good? No. Is this one good? No. Is this one good? No. And so basically, we can have a whole huge database of knowledge that we can use to build new things out of. And so Qcompedia has two main aims that they specify on their site. The first is, as I said, to make a huge database of molecules. Uh, 
And that's what they're currently doing. So currently they're only focusing on making the database first. And then secondly, they're going to make an AI to browse that database and judge the effectiveness of particular molecules for particular purposes. And that's going to come in the second stage of the project. Now, what I find interesting about this is that it could actually turn into a business in the long run. So we could create a service where scientists will say, okay, listen, we need some good molecules that we want to try out for, um, for photovoltaic applications. So they'll come to Qcompedia and Qcompedia will say, okay, well, we'll use our AI to find stuff in the database if you pay us this much. Otherwise, we'll just give you the database and you can do it yourself. Okay, so I, I can definitely see this turning into a very good business model in the future. Uh, and hopefully it'll remain open, but it doesn't matter. Uh, it, it's still not bad if you just use the AI as the service, which is still pretty good. And uh, as we've said previously on both the Boink Radio and I think in the project brief sometimes, it's good to have some funding coming into science because then we can expand further and it helps out the community. Uh, if you want to run Qcompedia, it is CPU only, so it only uses the CPU on your computer. They currently don't have any GPU work units. Uh, and as always, if you don't have a good computer and you want to just use your brain power, there's always Zooniverse.org. I love Zooniverse.org. It's just a little puzzle site where you can go and help uh, complete scientific work for scientists who can't necessarily use a computer for the applications that they're doing, like finding animals in Africa or finding um, uh, muons in the data sets. So if you're interested in that and have some spare time, go check out Zooniverse.org. But anyway, next time on the Project Brief, we're going to be talking about NanoHub. Okay, and that concludes it. So, anyone here has any questions about Qcompedia? Let's check the chat. Let's Hold on. <laughs> Wait a minute. Jerry, why are you the crunchy pickle now? Hey, crunchy pickle here. I just got a quick question for you. Uh, yes, crunchy pickle. Can this project keep my pickle crunchy? It sure can. <laughs> It'll probably analyze some of the molecules inside the pickle. So, you never know. We could figure out why a pickle is crunchy. Very good. Very good. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think it's a pun on Cucumbedia. Yeah, <laughs> cucumbers. Pick uh, no, this sounds really cool. This is uh, so they're making the data set completely open, and the, have they committed to that being the case for always and ever? Yes, and uh, they've said that the real problem in chemistry is that when the chemists actually do the scientific work, they often stray away from publishing the actual results or any extra research that they do with it. And so basically, they just throw out all the computational stuff and quantum mechanics that they did to figure out what, what, what the hell they're doing. And so what Qcompedia wants to do is it wants to not only uh, create a huge data set of it, uh, but they also want to keep it open. Because uh, if, if you have to do the same computation over again for a, new, uh, for a brand new experiment, and then some other guy wants to do a different but similar experiment, they have to do the same computation over again because no one's sharing their data. So what Qcompedia wants to do is basically compute all of that, but not only compute it, index it. So create some measures for it. As I said, um, figuring out the geomet uh, geometric shape, figuring out how it interacts with infrared light, and seeing how it interacts with UV light. And you never know in the future, we might find some new applications for it and might say, oh, maybe we want to know if the molecule responds to water well or something like that. And so we can upgrade the database and index it with that and also update the AI that they plan on doing to index that database. That is a monumental task. I wish them luck. It is. And that would that's why they're only starting problems, with a couple million, I think. Yeah. <laughs> There's that, that's billions really cool. of molecules. 
I wish them luck. You said this is only a year in the running so far, right? It's, it's a new project. Year. Yep. This is really cool. This is neat. Chemistry uh, is is fascinating because it's kind of like it takes physics and combines it with like it, you can use. I I don't know, man. I don't know how to say what I'm thinking. It, it combines physics and can be used in biology, but it's like its own its own thing as well. Like those three <laughs> sciences, there's some relationship okay. there. That's just that's great. Let, let me let me say. summarize it for you. Okay, I'm uh-huh. a hardcore physicist. So what I like to say is, if you understand physics, you can understand chemistry and biology. If you understand chemistry, you can understand biology. Right. So biology is an application of chemistry, which is an application of physics, because it goes up in the size. So starting off with quantum physics, we'll explain chemistry, as we're seeing with Qcompedia. And chemistry, if you build all those molecules together, and build something big out of them. You get, you get proteins, you get life forms and stuff like that. It explains biology. There you go. That's, that's what I was trying to say. That's exactly yeah. it. I wrote it down <laughs> and I PM'd it to him and he said it. <laughs> <laughs> Can confirm that's not the case. <laughs> oh. Well, shoot. Thanks, man. I mean, this is a really interesting project. I hope they, they uh, continue to exist for a while. Yeah. Oh, and uh, also interesting fact. I did mention that uh, orbiting bodies lose energy. Uh, and one of those orbiting bodies was the Earth. And so some people might be wondering, hold on, if the Earth is orbiting the sun, is it going to fly into the sun? No, that's well, not the yeah. case. Oh. <laughs> if anything, the sun will fly into the Earth <laughs> as it expands. Okay, but ah. what I'm talking about is actually general relativity. So as the Earth rotates around the sun, it loses a very tiny amount of momentum every single time. And that tilts its axis very, very slightly over every single orbit. Because we've been orbiting for so long, it's been tilting its axis for quite a while. So uh, that's an interesting fact if you And guys the, the sun is going to, we technically we will fall into the sun, but the fact is the sun is going to blow up before we fall into it. Uh, well, it'll probably consume us before, we, <laughs> before it blows up. Blow up is the colloquial term, all right. <laughs> we don't need to go through the details of how the sun is going to end up fading away, but... The sun dies before we fall into it. Yeah. Long story <laughs> short. We're all doomed, guys. Yeah, a couple. In how many billions billion. of years? Uh, just a billion years, I think. Just one? Just one billion? That's all we got? Uh, oh, God. Remember, too far away to worry. <laughs> <laughs> well, shoot, what are you doing for the next project, Reef? Uh, NanoHub. So we're going to talk about nanoparticles and creating nanoparticles. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Alrighty, that's it. Let's go. Uh, thanks all for coming here and listening to the project brief. I hope you all enjoyed. And next time we'll talk about NanoHub.